Uh, for those of us that are here this morning, uh, it is a privilege and a, ju- uh, a privilege and a, and a joy as we continue our journey uh, through the Gospel of Mark. And so, turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter ten. That's where we find ourselves this morning. Verses forty-six to fifty-two is where I want to draw your hearts and minds this morning. And so, follow along with me, Mark chapter ten. Verses 46 to 52, if you're visiting with us this morning, we're working our way verse by verse through the Gospel of Mark. It's lovely to have you here, and so let's read the Word of God. It says, Then they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. When he... That's the blind beggar heard that it was Jesus, the Nazarene. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. And said, call him here. So they called the blind man, saying to him, take courage, stand up, he's calling for you. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus, and answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. Let's pray. Father, we, we come before you. Lord, as those who live amidst a crooked and perverse generation, as those who battle sin daily in our life, Lord, as those who are in so desperate need of your grace and your mercy each and every moment of each and every day. And so, Lord, we ask for grace now as we lay aside the worries and the cares of this world and worship you in this time as you speak to us through your word. And so we pray, Lord, that you would guide us and lead us by your spirit that we would be attentive and that we would be humble, sitting under its authority for our life. Lord, and I pray that you would do a work of salvation here this morning, that you'd do a mighty work of sanctification here this morning, and that you would use these moments that we have together to be quite pivotal in the life of each and every one of us and in the life of our church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to remind you of the reason Mark was written. It was to answer the question, who is Jesus? To show him also as the suffering servant. And to showcase him as the son of God in all his majesty. We received the gospel of Mark because... As you know, Mark penned what Peter saw. The gospel was known in 150 AD as the memoirs of Peter. 
was written to answer the question, who is Jesus? It was an eyewitness account of the memoirs of Peter. I mean, look how vivid an account it is of this encounter. This encounter has the very hallmark of an eyewitness account. And out of all the Gospels, Mark is the one known as the evangelistic Gospel. Which is why Mark himself is known as the evangelist. Mark was written predominantly to a Gentile audience. And within Mark, we are given far more information about Jesus' actions rather than his lengthy discourses. They're in the other Gospels. And being the case, that is, that we receive far more of Jesus' actions, we read of many of the miraculous acts by Jesus in Mark. In our passage this morning, as we close out the final verses of Mark chapter 10, what we've just read is the final healing miracle in the remainder of this gospel. And you might recall when it comes to miracles from Jesus, I've mentioned prior and I was taught that there are specific reasons why Jesus performed miracles during his earthly ministry. Number one, to authenticate that Jesus is indeed the Son of God, that he is God in human flesh, that he is the God-man. In Mark chapter 2, when we looked at that in verses 5 to 11, Jesus forgave sin. He healed a a paralytic man. He told the man that his sins were forgiven and he told the paralytic man to rise up and walk. Only God can do those two things. This authenticated Jesus' deity as God. Number two, Jesus' miracles demonstrate the immense compassion he has towards the suffering. We've seen, have we not, throughout Jesus' entire earthly ministry, he has been surrounded and crowded and pressed in by those who were suffering, those who were in anguish. And Jesus, driven by a deep love and by a deep compassion, healed people by his power. Every miracle put Jesus' love on display. We've seen that time and time again, and we've just read that in our passage this morning. Number three, Jesus' miracles demonstrate that he is indeed the Messiah. The Old Testament promised that the Messiah would come in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. That he that the that the Spirit of God would rest upon him. That he would perform miracles. That's clear from many Old Testament passages. And lastly, Number four, every miracle by Jesus reveals the power of God in salvation. That is, what Jesus does physically in miracle is a vivid illustration of what Jesus does spiritually by miracle in saving a person. So we need to understand that when Jesus opened the physical eyes here, of Bartimaeus. He is illustrating that he and he alone can open the spiritual eyes. 
This is a vivid illustration. We cannot open our own spiritual eyes, despite what some people may think. I will choose to open my own eyes. We don't open our own spiritual eyes. Jesus, by His grace, does that. And it is Jesus who came, did He not, to give spiritual sight to the spiritual blind. And our passage this morning in Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52, that we've just read, is a story of a man who moves from being on the side of the road, out of step with Jesus, to being on the road, in step, following Jesus. A man who moves from being sidelined and maligned to being saved and placed on the right path. From being spiritually blind to receiving spiritual sight. From being destitute to becoming a disciple. And I want you to know one thing right off the bat. It is all of grace. All of grace. Understand, it is all of grace. Now let that sink in. That's the title of the message to hear this morning, All of Grace. And there are some important lessons in our passage about what it means to move from spiritual blindness to receiving spiritual sight. And as I studied this week, I discovered that many break down this passage into things like five cures for spiritual blindness or eight marks of one who receives mercy and so on and so forth. And and I too think that is the best way to look at this account. And so, particularly considering that this is the final miracle of healing, which is driving home a final point and a quite specific point that Jesus gives spiritual sight to the spiritually blind, that we cannot give that, we cannot give ourselves sight. It must come from outside of ourselves. And so I've drawn from that same flow of thought from those other guys. And I've taken that angle and and used that in my outline, mixed it up a little bit. But as they say, all good preaching is, as has been well said, milking a lot of cows and churning your own butter. And so I've done that here this morning. I want you to know that. I believe that is the best way to approach this passage. And so I want you to see this morning in Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52, five requirements for receiving emphasis receiving spiritual sight to receive spiritual sight means to receive salvation synonymous terms and yes salvation is all of grace salvation is of the lord alone the only thing we contribute to our salvation as has been well said is the sin that made salvation necessary And yet at the exact same time, we are held responsible. That is a tension that is so beautifully held in Scripture. To receive grace and to receive God's mercy, we need to respond with humility to God's work in our hearts. God is 100% sovereign in salvation and man is 100% responsible. 
A beautiful tension in Scripture. And so as we journey through this miraculous encounter between a blind beggar called Bartimaeus and our precious Lord Jesus Christ, we will pick up on five requirements to receive spiritual sight. Note I didn't say five things we need to do in order to earn spiritual sight. No, five requirements for receiving spiritual sight. This encounter with Bartimaeus ends with Bartimaeus himself receiving spiritual sight, eternal life, peace with God. And so it's a great time to look at some key components of this encounter and draw out what is required in order to receive eternal life. That is, eyes that have seen the Savior and been saved. But before we dive into those, let's allow the text to form the context. Look at verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. They. That is, of course, Jesus and the twelve. They'd just been ministering in Perea. The lesson on true greatness has ended where we've been in the last few Sundays. And Jesus is continuing to make his way toward Jerusalem. They had left Perea. They crossed now the River Jordan. And they were taking the regular route to Jerusalem. And please know that this was no doubt a time where foot traffic was ever increasing. Don't get the idea that they were kind of out in the barren wilderness walking alone. No, this would have been an ever increasing crowd that was gathering. What were they all doing? They were making their way to Jerusalem for the Passover. They were Passover pilgrims. And that's why verse 46 says there was a large crowd. And as the crowds walked by on their way, making their way to Jerusalem, there was no doubt, as was common in the day, numerous beggars on the path. Regardless of whatever way you come to Jerusalem, whatever direction you've come from, in order to go to Jerusalem, you must go through Jericho. Some of you have been there. Beggars, do they not? They go where people are. No point begging where there's no people. So this was a good place to find people as they journeyed up to the Passover. And it's here we meet a man called Bartimaeus. Only Mark uses his name. Matthew tells us there was two blind men. So Bartimaeus and his friend. And please don't think of Jericho as some barren desert land. It wasn't. It had springs of water. It was a very lush place with lush gardens, plenty of people, quite a populous area, who were for the most part people of wealth. And so on the way, no doubt, Jesus still out in front with this massive crowd. As they're walking along, there is this blind beggar on the road. Think about Bartimaeus for a moment. He's blind, but he wasn't always blind. How do we know that? Well, he begs, doesn't he? And says, I want to regain my sight. I want to regain my sight. We don't know, but he's lost his sight at some point in his life. And so he sits there by the road with his cloak laid out in front of him, begging. And in his blindness, beside him is his friend who's also blind. And so Bartimaeus 
apart from his friend, is alone, stuck on the side of the road in the heat, in the hard place, lacking peace. And you know what? He knows, of course, that he's blind. And it's his blindness that causes him to beg. And what is far worse than a physical ailment, a spiritual ailment, what is far worse than blindness of the eye is blindness of the heart. Spiritual blindness. And that leads to the first point this morning. In order to receive spiritual sight, you must, number one, comprehend your predicament. Comprehend your predicament. Bartimaeus was aware of his predicament. He knew he couldn't see and he knew he needed help. But the world and our community and our families and our friends, it's all literally filled with people who do not see (laughs) and see no need for help spiritually. Or worse, they believe they are spiritual and are at peace And they engage in a type of spirituality that is all of Satan designed to lull you into an earthly peace while eternal pain awaits. And so in order to receive spiritual sight, that is to be saved, that is to receive mercy by grace, one needs to comprehend their predicament. In order to truly grasp this, we need to understand a few things. Number one... Outside of Christ, all people are spiritually blind. And so we may have some blind people here this morning. The reason that they are spiritually blind is because they are spiritually dead. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. So... We're born into this world very much alive physically, but dead spiritually. This is the foundation of what you need to comprehend. And if you're not a believer here this morning, having not been born again, this is what you must comprehend, what you must grasp in order to receive mercy. And I want you to know that you need mercy. Your sin is an ongoing offense to a holy God and you stand condemned and the only thing that can save you is mercy. And so you need to comprehend that you are unable to respond to divine stimuli. 
You, you have no spiritual ears to hear. You have no spiritual eyes to see. You are, as we just read there in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, you are very much alive physically because you run around in the lust of the flesh, but you are dead spiritually. You are a spiritual corpse. That's the reality of all people before coming to Jesus Christ. That's the reality in each and every one of us before we came to Jesus Christ. And the reality is but God. He made us alive. Verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 2. That's the first thing you need to comprehend. Another thing you need to comprehend is that just how very blind you are. This is made evident when you think that you are good enough to go to heaven when you die. If you want to know how blind you truly are, it's when you think you're good enough to go to heaven when you die. And if you ask the vast majority of people, are they good enough to go to heaven when they die? They say yes. It evidences their blindness. It's the testimony of the vast majority of the people in the world and in our community. If you think that you are good enough or if if you think that you're not as bad as so-and-so, and so therefore you're good enough to be found innocent by a loving God when you die and not face hell but enter heaven, then that is the very proof that you are blind. So, just like Bartimaeus does physically, you must do spiritually. You must acknowledge that you are truly blind and unable to see. You must comprehend If you are to ever receive mercy and ever to receive spiritual sight, you must, number one, comprehend your predicament. And that leads to the next requirement to receive spiritual sight that we see in verse 47. You must recognize your need. Recognize your need. As soon as Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus coming by, look at verse 47. When he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out. He cries out, Son of David, have mercy upon me. Note what he doesn't cry out. He doesn't say, Jesus, Son of David, I am fine. Keep walking by. He recognizes his need. He says, Jesus, have mercy on me. He saw his great need for mercy. And note also, I want you to see that Bartimaeus brings nothing to the table. There's no bargaining There's only begging. There's no, I have this in offer for exchange for mercy. No, no, he's he's empty-handed. We see also in verse 48 that even in the face of people trying to silence him, and it says there in verse 48, many were sternly telling him to be quiet. Even in the face of that, that opposition, his awareness of his need drives him still. Have mercy on me. Bartimaeus is coming empty-handed here. There is no merit that he is bringing. There is nothing in his hands. The only thing he brings, as has been well said, is the blindness that makes the mercy necessary. And so to receive mercy, that is to receive spiritual sight, you need to recognize that you are in need of mercy not better morals but mercy 
Mercy is not something that can be conjured up from outside by yourself. You can't conjure up mercy for yourself and then place it upon yourself. No, mercy must come from outside of yourself. And let me illustrate the concept of mercy for you a little bit. Imagine you were a slave back in the day, wherever you choose where you are in the world. And your master had a rule that if you steal from your master, and he says, if you steal from me or from my household, I will cut off your hands. I think they still do that in Singapore. That's the rule. If you steal, we'll cut off your hands. It's even written on the wall in your sleeping quarters. And let's say one night, after a massive day of chopping wood and harvesting grain and cleaning shoes, you are so hungry that you sneak inside the main house, the main quarters, and you take some food, take some food from your master's pantry. The next day, you're caught. Someone saw you. You comprehend your predicament. You are in need of mercy from your master. And so you cry out for mercy from your master. But the master's rules are that if you steal, you must be punished. So, think about it for a moment. By crying out for mercy, you are asking what? To not receive that which you so very much deserve. As a result of your sin, mercy must be extended to you. But in order for the master to be just, there needs to be a punishment. He cannot simply overlook the matter. And the same is with God. God won't merely, he tells us in his word, let the guilty go unpunished, will he? And so in order for there to be mercy, there needs to be an atonement. (laughs) And that's what makes Christ's work on the cross so amazing. Everything that was due you fell on him. He suffered in your place because of your guilt. Mercy can only be extended to the one who recognizes their great need for it. Bartimaeus cries out for mercy. And what's interesting to note, I thought about this week, is just like faith, where you direct it matters. Faith is only as strong as the object of which it's placed upon, and mercy is only as effective as that who you cry out to mercy for. It's one thing to find mercy in the sight of that who you stole off, loaf of bread or whatever it may be. It's another thing to find mercy from the God you have committed cosmic treason against your entire life. And please understand this about mercy. Mercy is only on this side of the grave. There are some of you flirting with mercy and judgment and the ultimate statistic that 10 out of 10 people die. You need to recognize your need for mercy and renounce any attempts to be made right with God 
outside of calling out to God that he may have mercy upon you. And the reason that God can have mercy upon you is because of what was laid upon Jesus Christ. And that if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he stood in your place and that everything that was due you fell upon him and you turn away from your sin, you'll find peace with God and mercy. And so in order to receive spiritual sight, to see the vileness of your own sin and your desperate need for the Savior, you must first, number one, comprehend your predicament. You're blind and in need of help. You must, two, recognize your need for mercy, that is, that you have sinned against the just God, and as a result, you stand guilty in His sight and therefore need mercy granted to you as a gift by His grace. And now third, the third requirement to receive spiritual sight is you need to understand who Jesus is. Understand who Jesus is. Look at verses 47 and 48 again. Look at the who in verse 47 and 48. Jesus, son of David. Verse 48, son of David. Twice. This is a title given to the Messiah, the Savior. There was a promise made to Israel back in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 8 to 16, where it says this, You shall say to my servant David, David, when your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, that is when you die, David, I will raise up your descendant after you who will come forth from you and I will establish his kingdom and he shall build a house for my name. And listen to this, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, he says. And listen to this, and he will be a son to me, son of David. And as a result of that passage, the term son of David became the term used for the Messiah, the promised king. And so Bartimaeus understood who Jesus is. And I was thinking about it during the week, before he lost his sight, had he read the, the Torah and studied it, or had he just heard it one way or the other? He understood who Jesus is. He believed that Jesus was the Savior. When he heard that Jesus was coming, he identified, he understood exactly who Jesus was. Matthew tells us that he called him Lord too. In fact, the term Rabboni in verse 51 it, it, it conveys the same idea. It's a stronger term than just rabbi. It's like my Lord and my master. Bartimaeus understood truly who Jesus was. It's simply impossible to receive mercy from God and spiritual sight to see unless you acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior. That He is the Savior who was sent to save you from your sin. But, as we well know, because we know many people, do we not, who, who know and understand who Jesus really is, and yet they, they may pass away in their lack of repentant faith and trusting and following Him, to simply understand who Jesus is is not enough. 
because hell will literally be full of people who live their life tipping their hat to Jesus. And Jesus said, many will come to him on that day and say, Lord, Lord. Many people will say they, they understand who Jesus is. Many people have heard about who he is. They knew who he was, but they'll still end up in hell. They died without mercy. And they died in spiritual blindness. Why? Because they failed to do what we see next in the text. Number four, respond to his call. Respond to his call in verse 49 and 50. In order to receive spiritual sight, in order to receive mercy, you must do each of those things. And under, the last one is understand who Jesus is. But unless you respond to his call, you will not receive spiritual sight. You will not receive mercy. Look at verse 49. And Jesus stopped and said, call him here. So they called the blind man saying, take courage, stand up. He is calling for you. And Bartimaeus heard the call. And then look in verse 50, what he does next. He throws aside his cloak. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up. And he came to Jesus. Think about the cloak. He'd used it to beg. That had been his life. That's what his identity was. And he threw it all aside and got up and followed Jesus. He responded to his call. He's done. So illustrative, is it not, of what a true believer does when they hear the call? They come. Bartimaeus responded to the Lord's call. He received mercy. We know that he received mercy from the end of this account in verse 52. We know that Bartimaeus was saved because he regained his sight and began immediately following him. Following him. It's the term rich. All saving faith is following faith. May it never be that you would ever say that you follow, you're saved by Jesus. You're, sa you're, you're in a saving faith relationship with Jesus, but you don't follow Jesus. The two don't work. Saving faith is following faith. Bartimaeus heard the call and he responded to the call. And if you haven't already, if you're here this morning, oh, how much must you be like Bartimaeus? You must understand just how much you are like Bartimaeus. Blind, begging, needy, and as you sit here this morning, just like on the road with Bartimaeus, Jesus just came by. He is here this morning in His Word. He's calling you to come. But will you come? Will you respond to the call? Will you turn from your sin this day? Will you have your eyes open and your sins forgiven and mercy just wash over you? Will you do that this morning leads us to our last requirement in order to receive spiritual sight you need to respond to the call and once you've responded to the call you must evidence that you have truly responded to the call 
truly received spiritual sight, truly turned away from your sin and trusted in Jesus, because you must, number five, follow Him. That is a requirement, follow Him. Bartimaeus does that in verses 51 and 52. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? What a question from our servant, always eager to serve. The blind man said, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him. Here we see the true outworking of true saving faith. Here we see the injection of faith into this narrative. Bartimaeus laid aside his cloak. His eyes were open. For him, both his physical and spiritual eyes were open simultaneously. At the end of verse 52, he begins following Jesus. Well, that right there is the story of how this blind beggar received mercy. And this blind beggar who received mercy serves as a perfect illustration for what one must do in order to receive mercy, in order to receive spiritual sight. And so if you are here this morning as a minister of the gospel and as an ambassador for Jesus Christ, I implore you and I beg you, be reconciled to God. Through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus told Bartimaeus, your faith has made you well. More literally and more accurately, the word there, made you well, isn't the word for physical healing. It's the word sozo for being saved. And so literally Jesus is saying, go, your faith has saved you. But here is what I need you to understand. Faith, just like mercy, is a gift. And that is why you must receive it. And in order to receive it, you must humble yourself, knowing full well that God gives grace to the humble. And to receive that grace and to receive that mercy, you must comprehend your dire predicament. And this is why you must recognize your need for mercy. And this is why you must understand truly who Jesus is and why you must respond to the gospel call today. And then you must turn away from your sin. And this is why you must follow him. You can never earn a gift. You can only receive a gift. And you must receive this gift, the greatest gift the world has ever seen. You must receive it by faith. And now for the Christian here. This morning, I want you to see afresh and I want you to be encouraged that this is our Savior, a Savior who delights to show mercy, a Savior who who, who extended so much mercy upon we blind beggars, a Savior who, 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 who opened our blind eyes, who look again at verse 49. A Savior who stopped. A Savior who stopped. Verse 49, And Jesus 
stopped. I want you to see this. I want you to be encouraged by this. Bartimaeus called out. Called out and cried out. And out of his love. Upon hearing a desperate cry, he didn't keep walking by. But he stopped. He didn't turn a blind eye. But he stopped. And he extended mercy. And he granted faith. Repentance. And mercy. This is our saviour. He stopped. That time that you cried out, he stopped. He didn't turn a blind eye or a deaf ear. He stopped. He stopped. For the Christian here this morning, not only do I want you to see that that is our Savior, I want you to see how our Savior, who granted us such privilege, calls us and uses us as his disciples. Look at what Jesus said to his disciples. Rather than he himself calling Bartimaeus, he had others do it. He had the disciples do it. Verse 49, Jesus says, call him here. And so they called him here. They said, Jesus is calling for you. That's the plan that Jesus put in place. (laughs) That's the pattern that we are privileged to follow. We are privileged people to be on the receiving end of such mercy. And then we have the privilege to go and tell others about the mercy that they can receive in Jesus Christ. That is the great privilege. It is not a burden. Don't be afraid of a privilege. Don't be fearful of a privilege. Jesus calls us. To call others and to tell them that he is calling them. And last, my dear, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ here this morning, I want you to see just how near and dear God's love is for each and every one of his people. I want you to see just how near and dear God's love is to you. You see, when we see in verse 46 that God in his word singles out an individual. And by his inspired word, he uses the name of this person. Mark never uses names. We don't see names in Mark. We only hear of one other name, Jairus, in regards to his daughter. And so here we see God taking note of an individual in the mentioning of his name. God takes note of each and every one of us. And sure, God has a love 
for each and every one of his children. But that love that God has for his entire family is, as has been well said, not faceless and not nameless. Sure, each and every believer has been showed mercy by God. All believers are lavished with grace by God. And even though we do read in the word of God that Jesus came not for the righteous, but for sinners, like a general term. And that we're all sinners and that we are, we've all been saved. And yet what verse 46 tells us is that there is a taking of notice of each and every one of us by God. God loves us as sinners. And his love for us as sinners is not kind of general and comprehensive and all encompassing. But it is specific and it is certain and it is individual. God has his children and he knows them each by name. There's something special in knowing that truth. There's something so incredibly special in knowing that truth, knowing This is exactly why Paul could cry out in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There is nothing selfish and nothing self-centered about rejoicing that when Jesus Christ went to the cross, he died for you and he took your sin. And he thought of you. Remarkable. We serve a merciful and majestic and loving God. Listen to the heart of our God as we close. Listen to the words that our God had the prophet Isaiah say in Isaiah 35 verses 4 and 5. Listen to this. He says, say to the anxious of heart, take courage and fear not. Behold, your God will come. He will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be open. To receive mercy and spiritual sight is solely by grace. It is all of grace. To have our eyes open, to see the vileness of our own sin and the beauty of the Savior, and then to rise up out of that sad, sin-sick state and follow after Him, is all of grace. And as believers, we're called to tell others He's calling for you. We live among a people who are blind but think they can see. Listen carefully now to 2 Corinthians 4 and 6. Listen so very carefully now. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ as Lord. For God, who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. 
God turn the lights on. That's grace. We see because God has opened our eyes. He's given us light so as to see. That is to receive mercy and it's all of grace. And just like Bartimaeus, who having been given spiritual sight, went on to walk down that road following Jesus. So do we. And we need that grace and that mercy that we've received. We need it each and every day. And our God so lavishes that upon us. To receive spiritual sight is all of grace. We were once blind ourselves, but now we see. What a praiseworthy truth that we can carry with us as we walk this road with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we thank you for this precious, precious truth. We praise you, Lord, for the work that you've done in our hearts and our lives by opening our eyes. We thank you that we received your mercy and your grace. And Lord, for anyone here who is still blind, may they beg and may they find mercy. And may they, like we must, always rejoice. And always find joy in the midst of hardship that we have been shown such mercy. Help us to live in a way that pleases you, Lord. And we look forward to meeting our brother Bartimaeus. We ask, Lord, that you'd guide us to live consistent with those that see. And that may we always treasure the Savior. And it's in His name we pray. Amen.